Well, good morning again. It's great to be back with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. In just a few minutes, I'm going to read from verse 15 through 20. We are landing the ship on what has been several, several weeks, actually several months of a series through the Sermon on the Mount called An Elevated Life. And I want to remind you, some of you actually came in a little early and you saw a little preview next Sunday. Uh, there are a group of us who have been preparing to share the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, from memory for you next Sunday. And uh, it's going to be great. There's something special and different and fresh when you actually take a passage of the Bible and not break it into little parts, little here, little there, but actually hear it in its entirety from start to finish. And so next Sunday, the Mount from Memory, the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Lord willing, we will share it in memory. Uh, there's a few spots that I'm even working on to make sure I'm ready to go. But we want to invite you back for next Sunday. It's going to be really a special time uh, in the Word. Uh, with that said, we are landing the ship on Jesus' closing words in Matthew chapter 7. We're, we're kind of coming down to the final thoughts that he wanted to share with us in this sermon that is the largest recorded sermon of Jesus uh, in the Bible. And as we think about these final words, actually, I, I need a little help. And I've recruited a helper today to give me just a little bit of assistance. Uh, if you all can let Mr. Brad come up and give him a hand. He's been volunteering or voluntold, maybe. Brad, come on up. Uh, Brad is going to participate in a taste test. Uh, we have some things here. We have some things, and they're all covered in chocolate. There's several things. Now, Brad, I'm going to tell you what we have, and then you're going to taste each one and tell me which it is. So we have an assortment of chocolate-covered things here. We have chocolate-covered cherries, almonds, peanuts, mints, and crickets. Yeah, you heard it right. One of these is a cricket. So as we go, here we are. You can just take one as you like and give it a try, taste it, and then tell us what you discovered. Okay, all right. What would that one be, maybe? Peanut. All right, one for one. He's doing good. All right, taking the second bite there. Oh, that one. Definitely not a cricket. Not a cricket. What would that one be? Cherry. The cherry. It doesn't look like he likes chocolate-covered cherries. <laughs> kind of. Sorry about that, sir. All right, the next one here, what we got? Still kind of shaking off the cherry there a little bit. We've got a mess. Uh-oh. Mint. A mint? Okay, all right. He's, he's, he's three for three. It's getting a little more tense here. Oh, a crunch. Oh, the, um, I can't think of the name of it. Like a goober um, uh, chocolate oh. melted. Okay. I have to tell you the truth. I actually did not put a cricket up here for him to eat. He ate the Whopper, the chocolate-covered malt ball, and it was supposed to crunch real loud, and you all were supposed to think, oh, he landed on the cricket. 
but he only ate half of it and then he called it a goober. So it didn't work, but that's okay. That's okay. Let's give him a hand. You did great. You found all of them. Good job. Do you want to try the last one? No, no, no he's done. Okay. He's done. He says enough of this uh, little taste test. Yeah, so I had a few and I was trying to make a little point, make a little joke that actually the outer coating for all five of these were chocolate. And chocolate looks good and tastes good and has some appeal to us. I mean, right now we're in the holiday season and some of you may already have some chocolates out and about or maybe you've got a plan to put some goodies here and there. But really what's on the inside is what mattered. Sure, it's a chocolate-covered peanut or a chocolate-covered almond or cherry, but really it comes down to what is in the center, what is at the heart of the chocolate that makes it something special or something gross. Some of you have received uh, Valentine's chocolates. I know we're not in Valentine's season, but you know there's that box of Valentine chocolates, and nowadays they actually label all the different candies. But back in the day, you would take one out and you were looking for the caramel or you were looking for the almonds or you were looking for the one that you liked, but then you got that creamy centered gross one. And you were all so disappointed. Then there's the green one and the pink one and all the cream centered ones. Yes, they were all chocolate covered, but what was on the inside made all the difference whether you liked it or you spit it out. In Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, he's speaking about some things that we need to be cautious about, things we need to be careful of, but it's hard to detect. He's speaking about false prophets and false teachers, people who espouse false things and deceive. But honestly, they're so hard to detect because on the outside, they look right. On the outside, they appear to be good and safe, but it's what's on the inside that's dangerous. What's at the core that can be harmful. And he tells us in these words to really put our caution out. that There are folks in this world that are trying to deceive and harm and they're hard to detect. Who is who? Listen to Jesus' words starting in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 7. He says this. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles. So every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them By their fruits. Jesus was speaking to a crowd on that hillside, and in his day and in his time, he knew that they would be surrounded or be influenced by different teachers or preachers or prophets. 
And he wanted them to know then and really wanted us to know now that there are prophets and teachers that you need to be aware of because false prophets exist. They existed then and they exist today. Now, prophet is something that he wants us to be aware of. He says, beware of false prophets. Verse 16, verse 15, I mean, beware, be on the lookout, be on your guard, be alert to the fact that there are false prophets. The word prophet has a couple different meanings, but at its essential definition, it's someone who speaks for God or speaks as a mouthpiece for God. There's a whole slew of prophets in the Old Testament, some of them that we know pretty, pretty familiar. There's Samuel and Nathan in the time of David and Elijah and Elisha. If you go a little further, Daniel is named as a prophet or Jonah, the prophet who ran away or Jeremiah, the prophet who cried and wept. Isaiah, the prophet who has more text in the Old Testament than any of the others. He's the one that proclaims or prophesies about the coming Messiah. But there's a whole slew of prophets in the Old Testament. These were people who spoke for God, who spoke truth to the people of God as God's mouthpiece. Now, at times, a prophet can also be one that preaches or speaks about something that's yet to come. But most often, they're speaking from God's perspective to God's people. I mean, Jesus, in his time, had prophets around him. John the Baptist is probably the most well-known. Jesus even refers to John the Baptist as one of the greatest prophets to ever live. And Jesus is even named at times as like one of the prophets. Matthew chapter 16, when he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? They list a group of prophets. They said, some say John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, of course, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Prophets were around in those days. They were around in the past. And this instruction, this word is that they will still be around today. This is a beware of false prophets, not of long ago or not of centuries ago, but of right now. Men and women, brothers and sisters, there are false prophets today. And they come to us in ways that are modern and first or 21st century. There might be a website or there might be a podcast. There could be YouTube videos. Maybe 20 years ago it was on the radio waves or in the printed books. There's plenty of prophets who say they speak from God. They speak the words of God. They speak the truth of God to us. But Jesus is wanting us to be aware. Not everyone who says I'm speaking from God is true. And not everyone who says I'm a prophet should be believed. Because just as there were false prophets then, there are false prophets today. And the real difficult part is they can be very hard to detect. They can be hard to detect. Jesus says in verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They come to us in a deception. They come to us 
cloaked in some costume. How many of you remember the old cartoon, the Looney Tunes cartoon, uh, Wiley Coyote? Anybody remember Wiley Coyote? I'm, I'm dating myself a bit. Young people, there was this great cartoon back in the day. Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and a couple other characters, Looney Tunes. But you might remember one episode from Wiley Coyote. He was always trying to do some mischief. And in one episode, he was trying to steal some sheep from an old sheepdog. And the old sheepdog, I think his name was Fred, and Fred was up on the ledge watching down in the valley. And the wily coyote, the, the one who's trying to steal some sheep, he found a way to sneak into the sheepfold by wearing a wool blanket or a wool costume. And the way he would come in would be like this. And he'd look around. <laughs> I'm making a fool of myself because at 1030, sometimes y'all need a little help. And then he'd go, tee, 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 tee. and he would snatch a sheep and then he would try to get away. Tee, 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 tee. All on the tippy toes. Do y'all remember that? And the old sheepdog, Fred, eventually caught the scheme and he grabbed the coyote by his neck. Which we don't, we don't see cartoons quite like that anymore with kind of physical violence. And then, and then at the end of the day, what did they do? They went to the time card and punched out and said, I'll see you tomorrow, Fred, see you tomorrow. And they came back in the next day and did it again. But the coyote was trying to wear the costume or wear the cloak of a sheep. He was trying to fit into the sheepfold in order to steal the sheep. And what Jesus is actually saying here is that false prophets sneak into our midst in the cloak or in the disguise of being one of us, of being part of the fold. But inwardly, there is something else going on. Inwardly, they're a wolf on attack, a wolf that seeks to harm and seeks to hurt, seeks to pull people away. The phrase that Jesus actually uses to describe the wolf is a, a ravenous wolf, a hungry wolf. And it's a connected term. This is the only time Jesus uses this word. But Paul picks up on the exact same thing later in the New Testament. And it's to describe someone who extorts money from others. Who's an extortionist. Who's a cheat. Who comes in in a clothing of sheep and a clothing of help. But actually there's something deeper underneath that's trying to extort or steal or rip people off. Friends, I hate to say it, but there are false prophets and teachers in the world and their whole purpose is to rip you off, to extort, to steal. You ever been ripped off? Or did you ever get the feeling that you're about to be ripped off? I remember several years ago, I was in seminary down in Fort Worth, Texas, and I needed a new... I needed a car. I didn't need a new car. I didn't have enough money for a new car. I just needed a car. I think I had a couple thousand bucks. And this was back in the day when you were, couldn't just jump on the internet and see photos and pictures of all the cars out there. And so I, I saw in the newspaper, the want ads, a car I thought I could afford. And it was one of those four-door power steering, power brakes, $1,000 OBO. Remember OBO? Or best offer. Ooh, I needed an OBO car. I didn't have much money to offer. 
I called the fella and he agreed to come and let me see the car. And this is how, this is how cheap it was actually going to be. He agreed to meet me at a local gas station and in the parking lot we would do the deed. We would talk about car and man, I pulled up and there was the car sure enough. And it didn't, it didn't surprise me. I'd seen the make and model, but as he gets out of the car, he just looks sleazy. He just looks like it's, I'm about to get taken for a ride here. And he comes up and I come out and, and he's telling me all these details about the car, including that, oh, the mileage isn't the real mileage. The motor was completely rebuilt. And, you know, the speedometer and mileage isn't right. And that, oh, this little dink and don't, don't worry about it. I've, it's a buff right out. I mean, he's just laying it on thick. You know, I'm young. I'm thinking, well, OK, he's probably telling me about the car. I get in the car. He lets me test drive it by myself and I pull out and I kid you not, just as soon as I touch the gas, the whole steering wheel started shaking in my hands. I don't know if the alignment out or if it was out of balance or what, but I could literally do this as I was driving. I took four turns around the block and drove back in and said, I don't want this car. Oh, come on. Let me talk to you about it. Let me, let me change your mind. I, I left a few days later, he, he called me back and said, hey, I've lowered the price. And I think, I bet you have. I'm sure you have. OBO, man, this car needs to go to the junkyard. That's where it's at. But it was easy for me to tell something was awry. I mean, the car didn't look right. He didn't look right. The words that were coming out felt a little sleazy, a little, little cheap, a little deceptive. Certainly when I drove the car, I knew I wasn't getting something good. I was getting a lemon if I actually put down the money to buy it. The problem with false teaching is we can't always see it on the outside. Sometimes they say the right words and act the right way and dress the part. But down deep, there's something else going on. There's something else happening. I mean, right after Jesus says these words that you will recognize them by the fruits, he says to the People listening, listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Now, this is who he's talking about. He's talking about these false prophets. He says, and on that day, that judgment day, many will say to me, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not cast out demons in your name? And did we not do mighty works in your name? Jesus says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What he's saying is they may look the part. They may say what's supposed to be said. They may even have the appearance of doing good things for God. But at their core, something is wrong. Something is not right. They never knew Christ. They never knew the Lord. And therefore, we got to be smart, folks. Be wise. Be on alert. Be on the watch. Because false prophets exist. And they come in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, the ravenous wolves. So how do we know which is which? How do we actually make a good determination? Well, the way we find out which are good and which are bad, which are true and which are false, is we look at what their lives produce. 
Look at what their lives produce. Jesus says in verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. What their life produces is what you will be able to make a determination by. Are grapes, he says, gathered from thorn bushes? No, 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 no. You're not going to see something at the end of the vine different than the actual branch. He says, are figs gathered from thistles? No, no, no. You're not going to be able to see a fig coming off a thorn bush or a thistle tree. He says, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Meaning, over time, you will see from these false prophets bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. It's going to take some time. It will actually take you looking carefully at what they say and the longevity of their life, what it produces, and how over time you can see the true heart behind what they say. It's going to require you and I to do something. It's going to require us to test something. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test the spirit. Test the spirit of their word. Test the spirit of their life. Test the spirit of what their life produces. Test it. And be aware that there could be the appearance of good, but certainly not be. We got to test every single thing they say. Friends, let me say to you, you need to test me and make sure every single thing I say, every teacher that you put yourself under, every preacher that you listen to, every Bible study leader, every authority spiritually that you set under, you need to test them to be sure that every single thing they say lines up with the word of God and certainly affirms the words of Christ. And if they say something contrary to the word of God or the words of our Lord, run away, get away you got to test. you got to test everything. It says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. And if they bring a controversial heresy or a truth that's different than the word of God and the truth in Christ Jesus, if they elevate sensual things, and friends, let me say, we live in a day where everything sensual is elevated. It's heightened. It's focused upon. You need to be aware that those are evidences of false teaching. And if there is a greed, if there is an exploitation, if there is a If you send this check, you get this blessing. Or if you send this money, you get this promise. Friends, let me tell you, that is evidence that you're being extorted and it's evidence of someone who is false. Now you can support the ministries of people that you are taught by and encouraged by. But if it's a you got to send me something in order to get this, 
That is clear evidence of false teaching and false leadership. So we got to test things. we got to test it to see if it's really true and really in the Lord. And i got a little something I want to share with you that just might help. It's a little way just to quickly test whether it's true or not, whether it's good or not. And it goes like this. Add, subtract, multiply, divide. Can you say that with me? Add, subtract, multiply, divide. Once again, add, subtract, multiply, divide. Easy little math computation. Some of you in eighth grade math, maybe you've learned. Add, subtract, multiply, divide. Luke was telling us he learned his please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. You know, I don't even know what those still stand for. I just know that has something to do with math. Something to do with what order you're supposed to do things in equations. But add, subtract, multiply, divide. If they add anything to God's word, be cautious. If it's God's word and my book or God's word and this thing or God's word and this object or God's word and this you name it. If they add anything to God's word, be cautious. The scripture says, if anyone adds anything to this book, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Revelation twenty two eighteen. If they add anything to this book, be aware. Number two, subtract. If they subtract anything from the finished work of Jesus on the cross, be aware. That Jesus Christ crucified once for all, for all sin. That sacrifice was once and for all. And that through faith, we trust him by grace. And it's not anything that we have to do. It's simply what Jesus Christ has done for us. If they add or if they subtract anything from God's word or if they subtract anything from the completed work of Christ run third multiply if they multiply anything to the requirements of salvation you got to have belief and you got to do this run for we know that it was through Jesus that we are saved and it's by grace through faith we are transformed, and that is it. Lastly, add, subtract, multiply, divide. If they divide God's people, be aware. And if they divide congregations or divide groups or if they divide people, be aware. A heart of division, a heart of divisiveness, a heart of confusion or a heart of pulling God's people away is usually a tall tale sign that something's not right on the inside. But ultimately, you're going to have to see what their life produces over the long haul. And you're going to have to be aware that not everybody who says they're a mouthpiece from God are true and right. You're going to have to test it. Test it to see if they are in the faith and test it to see if their life produces good fruit or bad. Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you with sheep's clothing, but inwardly the ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Not every chocolate is good. There could be a cricket in the midst. And that's why we got to go to the heart of the matter. Amen.
If I could have you just to bow your heads for a moment, I want to close this message and invite the praise team to join me. I know this is a little different. It's a little different focus, a little different direction. But one thing I know we all can agree upon this very morning is that we need God's help to know what is right and what is true and what is false and what we need to be aware of and be afraid of and be cautious of. And so as we come to this time of invitation and come to this time of response, I'm just going to ask for all of us just to say to the Lord, Lord, I need you. I need you more in my life. I need you more in my day. I need to know what is right and what is good and what is dangerous and what is harmful. I just need you, Lord. We're going to sing a song of response. And part of that is asking God each and every day to guide us because we need him. Oh, we need him. And if this morning you can say, Lord, show me what's right. Show me what's true. Maybe you have been under the influence of a teacher, of a preacher, of a prophet, and you just need to ask the Lord, show you what is good. And if there be anything that is not right, that he would guide you away for something that is false. So Lord, we just come right now before you humbly, and I ask, Father, that we need you. Oh, we need you. Each and every day we need you. Lead us to truth. Lead us to Christ and protect us from those that seek to do us harm. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.